Above 107 Columbia Street in the heart of uptown downtown Albany with both eyes on Eagle Street. Welcome to this week's edition of the Nipty Practice Tips. Today we are coming to you directly from the Casey Case Law Studios, and that's very appropriate because today we have a special shout out and dedication to ADA Mike Calusa from his friends and colleagues at the Oneida County District Attorney's Office. Nice going, Mike. Okay, my friends, so today we're going to be discussing trial orders of dismissal and the problems that they can create that you might not be aware of. So let's get started. Whenever the defense moves for a trial order of dismissal at the close of the people's case, pursuant to CPL 290.10, there are four possible decisions the trial court can make. One, he or she can deny the motion. Two, he or she can grant the motion in its entirety. Three, he or she can grant it only as to certain counts, or four, he or she can reserve decision until after the jury has rendered its verdict on some or all of the counts. From a prosecutor's point of view, as well as from the appellate division first department, it is clearly preferable if the court is seriously considering granting the defendant's application and there is room for argument against this decision, the court should go with the choice number four reserve its decision. The reason for this is the following. The trial court grants the motion for the trial order of dismissal due to a lack of sufficient evidence. The people are not authorized to appeal this decision, CCPL 45020. This section of the CPL lists all of the situations where a people's appeal is authorized. A trial court's granting of a trial order of dismissal at the close of the people's case is not one of them. If, however, the judge reserves the decision until after the verdict and there is a conviction, the people are authorized, pursuant to CPL 450.20 subdivision 2, to appeal the judge's dismissal because this is considered a post-verdict decision. The rationale for these two seemingly divergent rules lies in the principle of double jeopardy. If the judge granted the trial order of dismissal before the verdict, and the people were successful in an appeal, a new trial would be required. This would raise double jeopardy issues. If, however, the judge does not grant the motion until after a verdict of guilty by the jury, a successful appeal by the people does not raise double jeopardy issues because there is no new trial, only the reinstatement of the jury's original verdict. In addition to the logic of this preference for reserving the decision until after the verdict, the First Department Appellate Division has written that this is the preferred way in which the trial courts should proceed. If you find yourself in this situation and you want the judge to reserve his or her decision, you should present the court with a copy of People v. Wilkinson. Again, a First Department case from 2001 where leave to appeal was also denied in 2001. In Wilkinson, the trial court submitted to the jury, along with other counts, the charge of kidnapping. The court had voiced significant doubts about the sufficiency of the evidence. Nevertheless, 
The count was submitted to the jury and the trial court reserved its decision on the defense motion for a trial order of dismissal. The defendant was acquitted on the kidnapping count but convicted of Penal Law 265.03. On appeal, the defense argued that the trial court erred in submitting the kidnapping charge to the jury and that this error had an improper influence upon the jury in their rendering a guilty verdict on the Penal Law 265.03 charge. In rejecting this argument and affirming the conviction, the First Department held that despite the trial court's reservations concerning the sufficiency of the circumstantial evidence that supported the kidnapping charge, the court wrote, it properly decided that the better course was to reserve decision and submit the count to the jury in order to preserve the people's right to appeal. The course of action taken by the court is authorized by CPL 290.10. Moreover, it is the preferred course of action. Defendant has not established that he has or was prejudiced by having the jury deliberate on the kidnapping count, particularly since the jury had already heard evidence relating to that count. Another source of legal authority for the trial court not to grant a motion for trial order of dismissal when the issue is not clear-cut comes from the Court of Appeals in a case we've mentioned in the past, People v. Reed, a Court of Appeals decision from 1937. In this decision, the Court of Appeals addressed how the trial court should address close evidentiary and other legal issues. It noted that since the people do not have an avenue of appeal from a faulty evidentiary ruling by a trial court, which defense does, the trial court should make rulings on close issues of law in the people's favor. This old but still applicable directive is often overlooked by prosecutors when arguing legal issues. Court wrote, while the defendant under our criminal justice system is entitled to the benefit of every reasonable doubt on the facts, the people should be entitled to any reasonable doubt a trial judge may have upon the law for if he or she makes a mistake on the law, the people have no opportunity or method of reviewing that ruling, as strange as that may seem in this enlightened day, 1937. The defendant for a wrong ruling may also appeal the case for review to a higher court. The people have no such privilege, except as herein stated, so the trial justices in criminal cases therefore should bear this in mind when ruling upon points of law. An important point to remember in the context of trial orders of dismissal is that the defense proceeds at its own risk when trial judges deny their motions for a trial order of dismissal at the close of the people's case. Now, what do we mean by that? If the trial court incorrectly denies the defense motion for a trial order of dismissal pursuant to CPL 290.10, and the defense then presents evidence which cures any insufficiency of the people's evidence presented on its direct case, the defense has waived any appellate claim as to the trial court's initial erroneous ruling at the time before the defense presented evidence. Take a look at People v. Hines, a Court of Appeals decision from 2001, where the court noted, and we have held that a defendant who does not rest after the court fails to grant a motion to dismiss at the close of the people's case proceeds with the risk that he will inadvertently supply a deficiency in the people's case. Thus, a defendant who presents evidence after a court has declined to grant 
a trial motion to dismiss made at the close of the people's case waives subsequent review of that determination. Another important issue raised in People v. Hines is that a trial judge does not have the authority to reconsider the denial of the defense motion to dismiss at the close of the people's case pursuant to CPL 290.10 as part of a CPL 330.30 motion. In the Hines case, the court also held that a trial judge is not permitted to reconsider his or her initial denial of a motion to dismiss at the close of the people's case as part of a 330.30 motion. In this case, the trial court denied defense motion to dismiss at the close of the people's case. The defense then put on a case and the testimony by the defendant. The defendant was convicted. The defense then moved pursuant to 330.30 prior to sentence for the trial judge to reconsider its original 290.10 decision. The trial court granted the defendant's 330.30 motion, deciding that the people's direct case was in fact insufficient as a matter of law to support defendant's conviction. The people appealed this decision and the appellate division third department reversed the trial court's decision. A justice of the court of appeals granted leave to appeal to the defense. The Court of Appeals ultimately affirmed the decision by the Third Department, which had reinstated the conviction. The Court of Appeals held that the trial court had improperly reviewed the people's case in that 330.30 motion. They noted that the defendant had waived any right to review of this decision by presenting its own case. Once the trial court had denied that 290.10 motion, the only way for the defense to preserve the right of review of this decision was to not put on a case. Once the defense presented evidence, they waived any review of the sufficiency of the people's case. Any subsequent review of the sufficiency of the evidence in the case had to include the evidence that the defense presented as well as the people's case. Now, facts of this case should not be confused with the situation that we previously addressed, where the trial court reserves decision on the CPL 290.10 motion to dismiss until after the verdict is entered. Now, the majority held in this case that the trial judge did not reserve his or her decision, but rather simply denied the defense motion at the time it was made before the defense decided to put on a case. Be sure to review the written version of this nifty practice tip with links to all of the case law and citation and authorities. A thanks as always to our crack producer, and Man About Town, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. To all of you out there, be well and stay ready, my friends. Lisa!